Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on Internet Land and Socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. Already had some uh, mate. Oh, no. Mate? What is it? Is it like the? It is. It's a drink from Argentina. Okay. Is it like a coffee? My wife like shows me now. I drink <laughs> it more than her. Um, it, no, it's like tea. So you have this little vase, and you put this loose leaf tea oh, and sticks steps. in there, and it's got a little metal straw, and it has a little screen on it that protects it from coming in. That's amazing. So I guess it's like carcinogenic. <laughs> But it's, it's, I mean, it's, I guess if you drink it too much, it's bad for you, but in moderation, it's like better than green tea. I love that. So yeah, yeah. you should try it out. I will. I'm a, I'm a huge tea person. I normally don't drink coffee. So like, Mm. like, and it's like a ritual thing for me. So like I make tea like five times a day and it's like, like, I don't either. (laughs) I know. Today is an exception. Yeah. By the way, thank you for offering the coffee. Oh, yes. There Mike, was, Mike didn't I had good intentions. Anything. Yes, it's all about the intentions. It's all, it's all about the thought behind it. Mike Mike, uh, Mike really he missed, the, missed the boat on that yeah. one. Yeah. He's, like, he's like, you're out of the program. <laughs> Mike, if you're listening, love you. <laughs> so we're here with Sarah Svetlana, a badass painter oh. and a fellow program artist. I think I want to just talk about it right off the, the top just get it out of the way. You've got a show coming up. I do on Saturday on the 7th. This Saturday, March 7th. Correct. 2020 yeah. for anybody who is listening to this currently. And how long is it going for? It's until the 25th. So they're going until the 25th. Three weeks. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So if people don't get to make the opening, they can schedule yeah, And I'll be Mike. working in the gallery. So um, it'll have more open, you know, it'll be more open days for the gallery since I'll be there. So nice. Definitely stop by. Yeah. If you can't make it to the open. That's cool that you're doing that. And and Mike and I were hanging one of the shows for the um, the competitions, and I saw you working in there. Is that how difficult is that for you to be down there all the time? Honestly, like I never knew about this. I mean, like, I knew about the South Bay, but like going to like Hermosa or Manhattan Beach was like a destination. Like we go there for like a day trip. Yeah, you know? go to the beach. It was never like a thing where. It's close. Like I just, and then as soon as I found out about Shockbox, that was when I started going down there all the time. But I drive so much anyway that like it's just another, it's just another drive. But I really love it down there. I'll tell you too. Yeah, yeah, of course. So like anywhere is just you're not driving in LA or and my daughter goes to school in the valley, so she goes to school around here, right? Yeah, her dad lives out here, and when we were in Highland Park, um, the school district wasn't that great. The schools around us, so we just kind of left her here for now. Um, so I drive like 20 hours 
a week and I'm just sitting in there. Like my car looks like a homeless person lives there <laughs> because like I have everything I need in there nice. and it just starts piling up. But, um, that's very practical though. Yeah. But then like when like I have like, you know, if I go to down to shock box, like it's, I'm there for a little bit and it's not just like going there and turning right back around. So, and I just, like, it's just so nice down there and like yeah, the ocean's so right nice. there. So it's like, I don't mind the drive. When I drive yeah. down there, I'm like, my blood pressure drops. Absolutely. It's so chill and the, yeah. and the community and down there like is the great. just the smell of the ocean. It's just so healing. I mean, it really is. Yeah. yeah. Mike, Mike kind of embodies that, he that is, area. Yeah, he is, he is Mr. Hermosa. Yeah, absolutely. Un, unrattleable. If that's, if, that's, if that's a word. Yeah. Although he did say he was, uh, that was maybe a little bit of a surface thing, but I don't believe it. I think he's always like that. Yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty level-headed. So Sarah's show is going to go till the 25th. And if you're for some reason listening to this in like 2027, mm-hmm. we're still <laughs> up, uh, you can look up Sarah's work uh, where? Um, Artsy is the best place. Um, nice. It has all my stuff from Shockbox and from my other galleries. Oh, cool. So, And yeah. he's going to have this show up, Yep, he'll right? have that up. Yeah, okay. Artsy. So I saw a, I got friends in high places. I saw a sneak peek of your show. Yes. Uh, yesterday. Mike sent it to me. Yeah, we hung up the whole thing yesterday. So So it's ready to go. You're not yeah. making any more changes? Um, no. We're we're set to go. Like, you know, he hangs things in like thirty seconds and I know. <laughs> um and I totally trust his like the curation part of it and like we No, he's know. great. Yeah. So it was we were ahead of schedule, which is great. And I don't have to like I got everything out of my studio, it's there, it's hung up and yeah, no don't big have to stress about it. Pressure. Well, yeah. the show looks fucking amazing. Thank you. Honestly, Thank I was you. looking at it and I told Mike, I said, wow, this is a strong show. Thank you. So if you get a chance, check it out. The The big piece on the right as yeah. you walk in, was that the piece you were working on yeah, when I came? Yeah, that's when you saw. Okay. Yeah, because I had to work on it there. It's so big that like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot my work really depends on like the geography and like I kind of like to use the ground a lot when I paint. So it's almost like yes. I'm like that piece was like very shock box. Like I like the energy out of that place is put onto that canvas. So yeah, yeah, it's perfect. And they have, they have the back, the back box, mm-hmm. which is great for not only hanging out, but if you want to bust out some big yeah, pieces, it was, yeah, I got paint all over the floor immediately. Nice. Cause I was painting. Which I'm sure it. Mike just left there, right? He did. Nice. He's like, it's, you know, it's a studio, you know, it's a gallery. You're supposed to be, you have paint there, but right. it was like, cause I was, I was painting that giant piece. It's actually a drop cloth. And I thought it was a lot thicker than it was. Yeah. <laughs> so when I painted it, it was like, it just leaked right through. There was like, like an impression of each exactly, painting there was, on the back. My footprints are all over the, the studio. Oh, that's back. awesome. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> so I love your work. Um, what, what, is there, is there like a, I, I mean, when I looked at it, it looked like there was a cohesive theme to yeah. the show. Was there anything you were going for, for the show? Or were you just um, painting? Well, the, the show itself, when I first started, like when I knew I was going to get the solo show, kind of like I wanted, you know, everything is brand new. Everything I made was for the show. Right. And so I called it the Seeker Garden and it's also in Russian it's next perfect. to it. Um, Secret Nisad. Yes. And Because um, I'm fluent in Russian. Right. <laughs> Which is why we have it in English as well. Um, I kind the of. Stummies. It's kind of like the accumulation of everything I have been working towards to this point. And um I kind of like it's almost used every piece as like a journal entry. Yes. And it's like a diary and there's like secrets upon secrets. There's layers upon those secrets. So like I will write things and then just paint over it, but all you know, it's there. And then one day when I'm dead and someone's X-raying my work, they'll see like we'll see all, all, the, layers. all the layers. But um, 
I kind of like, I've been obsessed with doodling flowers and I kind of, um, I didn't want to do that for a long time because I was like, it's so childlike and not, you know, it's not fine art if I'm just doing little doodles of flowers. But then I started incorporating that with like my structured shapes and um, and then putting the flowers over it. And I kind of like, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go with this. And like, I just, um, it's like this entire show is just me basically saying I'm following my own rules and following my own instincts and I don't give a shit. Like, which is exactly what it should be. Yeah, what it should be. And that's how it reads too. Yeah, I, I was looking at it, and it's it's kind of like this perfect mixture of adolescent joy and then just a rebellious spirit. Exactly, I love yeah. that. And great. I think that's like that's so, yeah, that's exactly that sums. You up can right use up. that if you want. Thank you. I will. <laughs> I will make sure to put that in my statement. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like a lot of most like my work is completely based on my like my adolescence and my, um, you know, I came here when I was four years old to the United States and we went through four re- years old from, from the Soviet union. Oh, wow. So, um, we, when we came here, it was under refugee status for religious persecution. Really? Yeah. So we had to go, um, I was born in Belarus, but at okay. the time it was still Soviet union. So when I say Russian, like I just, it's still like the old, um, habit of just like everyone's Russian if you're from the so from the Soviet Union. Yeah. So um when we were being let out, every um there was an entrance to Israel. And but my parents were like, we're going to America. We're going, so we're going um to my America. and my parents yeah, my parents were younger than I was. My my mom was, you know, twenty nine, my dad was thirty two. Wow. And they had no idea how we were gonna get there, but we basically took an underground railroad. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So we went through um Italy first. Well, we went through Moscow to Italy. And when we left the the Soviet Union, they like ceremoniously ripped up our passports. They're like, you are not welcome back. You are Have not nice coming day. back. Oh my God. Yeah, so when we That's left- That's terrifying. Yeah, it was. it's awful. So um, we went through, from Moscow, we went to Rome. And in Rome, we were in a refugee camp for about um, a week and they had they gave us a week. They're like, after a week, you have to leave. And if that means living on the streets, then live on the streets. You're like, well, we love it here. Right. But. <laughs> so my dad went out and found a family to basically sponsor us. And oh my God. this family like let us live in their house for a few months. Wow, um, this is amazing. Like, yeah, like 30 minutes, 30 minutes outside of Rome in this little like uh, little town village called Mericciato. Uh-huh. And um, I turned four there. So do you remember? I do. I remember because we know there's like a tra- like traumatic events that kind yes. of like stay with you. So, and at the time it didn't feel traumatic because I was a baby basically. And my parents were taking care of me. So I didn't feel like totally unsafe, but it was just still like I was yeah, on this journey. You can feel that. Yeah. Like, like you helplessness. Feel tension or anxiety. Absolutely. It's, and it's I remember tangible. my mom crying because she didn't know like how she was going to feed us the next day. And I remember they oh my pierced God. my sister's ears to put the gold earrings in her ears because like we couldn't like really take anything with us. Um, wow. Yeah. So it was, so from Rome, we went to, no, I'm sorry, we went to Austria first. Mm-hmm. And in Austria, we stayed in a refugee camp and it was an awful, awful place. It was run by like super anti-Semitic people. And it was like a dormitory style. And I just remember there was stray cats everywhere. Wow. And, um, but like, it was, you know, I was just like along for the ride. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know where we were going. Um, and then from Austria, when that's when we went to Italy. And then from Italy, that's when we 
like a couple months later because my both my parents are they were um you know college graduates and they were young so i think like we were passed through a little bit faster just because they would be like you know a, a like a, a you know they would benefit the economy here so they were like okay right. we can actually work and so um actually jewish family services are is what who brought us here and they helped um, us to get here so my work kind of like you know and since then it's always been i've had a serious identity crisis um, yeah. So understandably. Yeah, because like when we were in in Belarus in the Soviet Union, we weren't considered Belarusian or Russian. We were considered Jews. Yeah. So like even in my in my birth certificate under nationality says Jew. So like even though my family's really? been there for like, you know, a thousand years. So we were never like considered Russian. And if you ask a person like, Oh, is that person Russian? You're like, no, he's he's a Jew. Like, which is funny. And then when we came here, that's crazy. We were Russian. You know, because like <laughs> right. that doesn't make sense to anyone else. Like, yeah, you came from that place, and that means you are Russian. That means you're this. So I've always had of had, and we went straight to Minnesota. This of course, my, well, yeah, because why not? My uncle was there from the '70s. He came out first, so we kind of went where you know we were, where our family was. So um, in this in Minneapolis, there's a very small Russian Jewish community, but not you know nothing like in LA. Um, and so we had to simulate really fast. And, you know, I was born, my, I was born Svetlana and my great grandmother's name was Sarah. So oh. when we came here, my parents changed it to Sarah Svetlana. So I would, you know, fit in and cause I didn't, you know, no one could pronounce it. And I was a little kid and they just wanted me to like be like everyone else. And right. they never really enforced us to speak Russian at home. Like my mom would, you know, speak Russian back, you know, to me, and I would speak English back to her. So it was like, so are you fluent in Russian? I am. I'm, I'm still fluent. Um, nice. I my grandma never spoke English. Like she's still to this day when I call her, like we're playing charades on the phone because I'll forget words and my accent, my American accent, is there for sure. So um, is that a, is that a, out of defiance or she just doesn't know? Any no, English? she doesn't know. She oh, never okay. she because she came here in her already when she was like sixty, so she never worked. Wow. So she just like stayed at home and took care of us. Right. So like she never. I mean, she knows like some words, you know, yeah. like not completely, but like fluently. No. So I still had to like have some Russian in me. That completely makes sense if you're yeah. not working. Yeah. And it's just funny. As a side note, this is completely unrelated. Aside from the language thing, Mags and I were at a, a gas station the other day, and and I was filling up the air. And I found out later that it was free, but I paid like $4 for it. I was like, wait a minute, they just charged me $4. So I went to talk to the attendant and I'm like, uh, yeah, so I just got charged $4 for this. It's supposed to be a buck 50. And he just looked at me and he's like, speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, uh, I'm just going to walk away from this yeah, one. Like because- I'm going to take an L for this one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. I don't want to, I don't want to say anything, uh, in this, in this political climate. Right. But, um, Wow, that's insane. So your memoir is coming out at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, right. You should write that shit. I know. I have like I have a I have a dream that I would like to kind of make a documentary where I kind of retrace my steps back. And oh um just like, you know, and then also cuz it's you know I'm kind of like the the result of what um a child refugee ends up being, you know, with the trauma still kind of always ingrained and you know, there's like everything that's happening right now in this climate, like it's, it's very prevalent and it's very like, yeah, it's kind of bubbling up to the surface. Yeah. yeah. It's always been there, but yeah, it's, it's pretty terrifying right now. Yeah. So obviously this feeds your art. Yeah. And so like the, definitely like I have like my doodles and my little, my childlike markings are definitely 
um, me as like a four-year-old and me as kind of, um, you know, when you're going through a traumatic event, you kind of dissociate a little bit and you're in your own world and you're kind of, when you feel completely helpless and you don't have any control over your own life, you focus on, you know, I always like, I can focus on cracks on the wall and like corners of, you know, and like corners of, of, of like a dresser and, and like you kind of see the detail in there and oh yeah you kind of like, you know, like the, like you notice everything around you. And so I think that has been always like that kind of, that is my art, like where I, I try to translate that. And I kind of, um, it's almost like a footprint of like where I am at that time in my life. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely like who I, like what I've been through is definitely my art now. Yes. And it's, it's, and like, I, I still continue to have my identity crisis, but it's definitely helped me process. And it's definitely, um, made me realize who I am in a better way. Yeah. And would you say you've filed away some of these images throughout the years and they kind of come out? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, like I'll have like, I have a lot of polka dots in my art yeah. and that's like, you know, my grandma always wore polka dots. Like Russians love polka dots for some reason, like Soviet, especially the Soviet Union era. Yeah. Like we had like pots and pans with polka dots on them. And so that comes out like these, like I want pots and pans with polka dots. Yeah. And there's like these orange polka dots for some reason there was orange polka dots, but <clears throat> um they definitely like those like markings come out and like my, my little floral doodles, like those come out and colors. Um, like I'm a big color person. Yeah. Um, I see like, you know, when I see like pink, I know like how many different shades of different things are in there and I can just like see different colors in like one shade. And it's like, it's, you know, it's, um, it's just funny because like, I'm such a depressed person in general. <laughs> Like that's just part of who I am. Like I like I always say that I have living in the first world with third world emotional issues. Yeah, it's just like it's just part, and it's like I'm, you know, I'm handle it. I'm I'm okay, but it's still the colors definitely make me feel better, and it's like this light that I like I completely understand. I mean, I don't completely understand. I think I mean I think America is built up of a lot of these kinds of traumatic stories and and immigration. Everybody who's here has been. Yeah. An immigrant at some point in yeah. time, or their, their relatives have. But I can also relate to art being um, a cathartic way to express certain things that are going on subconsciously. You know, I've had my own things happen in my childhood. This is about you, obviously. But but without that, I, I wouldn't have made it. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember my life, really, before I started painting. Um, and it hasn't even been that long, but I don't know where I, it is definitely helped me tremendously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when did you? Start um, well, I mean, I've always painted. I've always been like, it's not like I just, I never, and all of a sudden, I, you know, I yeah. just all of a sudden oh. painting. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I never took it seriously until about three years ago. Okay. And I was laid off from a job. I, I, I tried. Um, my mom passed away um, about six years ago, it'll be in March this month. Uh-huh. And she's always, her biggest dream for me was to get an office job with good benefits. Right. right. And, you know, uh-huh. and, and, well, that's, and like stability, understand. you know, yeah. like she was really like being an, like, it didn't even cross my mind to be an artist because yeah. like, I can't even imagine like what she would have said to that, you know, right. she, she's like, that's a great hobby. You know, like, yes, you're a very creative person, Sarah, but let's, you know, let's now let's focus on the real job. And they, they mean well. Of course, that. yeah. Like she didn't, you know. But and it I can know, be like, stifling at the same time, right? And I know that if she was alive today, she'd be super proud of me, and right. like, and of there course. would be, no, you know. 
But um, I try after she passed away, I ended up getting a, like a real big girl job at um, I was a copywriter at a cosmetics company, and it was awful. Like and but because I was You're being like, mom, this is what you wanted. For yeah, me? and I was like, and I was really, I really tried, you know. Uh, but I was driving oh, yeah. like it was to Westlake Village, just two hours away, and um. I just like I lost like a part of my soul. It was and I like for me, I didn't have any training in writing. I don't know how I got this job, but I did. And um, so like some days, like I just couldn't write. Yeah, which is not okay when you are the only copywriter for this, <laughs> you know, for this company. And I ended up getting laid off. Like you got something, kid. I don't know what it is, but we need you. Yeah, and like I mean, like you know, I obviously I had my. You know, I made my spec portfolio and I got hired off of that. So um, I had, you know, that had something there, but it just was not, I could, if you don't love what you're doing, you're not going to do a good job. That is very true. Yeah. And um, they laid me off um, because so I can get unemployment, but really I got fired. <laughs> like they just like, you know, and they were like, I'm like, though, they're probably just getting rid of that position entirely. And they hired someone new a week later. So uh, it was, it was me. Yeah. It was not them. Well, yeah. It was meant to be. Yeah, and that was um, 2017. Okay. Um, and at that point, I got really depressed. Uh huh. Like I, you know, um, and I started painting. Like I just kind of, my sister had a canvas in her garage, and I took it out and, and I just started painting one day, and I did not stop. So it was that first painting. Was it like light bulb? Yeah. Came on. Yeah, it was that first painting. I still have it. Um, and it was. I was like, oh, this is really good. And I just think it's not even that like, I felt like I had to do it. Just like, I mean, I felt like I had to do it. It wasn't like I was doing it for anyone else. It was really for myself. I had no intention of trying to sell it or right. make a career out of this. It was just something I needed to do for my own therapy. And that's how it should be starting out. It yeah. should be completely for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the artists that do the best and that have the biggest appeal or, or people relate to is is because you're, not editing yourself and you're being so true to yourself. Yeah. Like the, like authenticity completely, like, you know, like I always. It comes through in your work. Yeah. And I always, I always talk about Basquiat and he, you know. I was going to compare you to a female Basquiat, but I didn't know how you'd take it. No, I mean, it's a huge compliment, but at the same time, like everyone wants to be like him, you know, and. I know, and but it, there's a lot of really bad knockoffs. It is. And it's just funny because I always try to tell people, I'm like, it's not even that he was that great of an artist. The point is it was his truth completely. Exactly. And his markings and his. Yeah, 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 yeah man. Yeah, it was, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was completely his own and that's why it was so good. I used to watch Basquiat. I, I had two movies that I would watch at night before I would start painting or writing and I would pour myself some drinks and I'd sit down and watch Basquiat. I don't know if you've seen the movie, I probably have. Yeah. And uh, Pollock. Yeah. And both very depressing movies, of course, but for some reason I loved it. They just ate it up. It was so super inspiring. I can, I can quote every line in Basquiat and I, I do the impersonation. And Bowie as Warhol. Oh, Come on. Yeah. So good. Yeah. But um, you're right. It is about, it's, it's his story and he yeah. just did something so unique. It's funny too, because I was talking on another podcast about artists kind of developing a marketing skill. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a negative word for artists. Like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm just an artist. Somebody else will do out. that for me. I'm not going to yeah. sell out. It's like, well, what the, what the fuck do you think Banksy is doing? What do you yeah. think Basquiat did? It's a different form of marketing. If you're not getting your work out in front of the public eye, then no. nobody's going to see it. 
Yeah. And that's what, and people always ask me, like, how do you, I'm like, just do it and put it out. Like, just put it out. Exactly. Like, there is no other secret. Unless you're just doing it for yourself and it's a hobby, that's fine. That's That's great. But if, but most artists, why else are you doing it if you don't want your art to be seen? Right. And if you, if you, if like this is something you want to do for the rest of your life, you kind of have to sell. You kind of have to. Yeah. You, you have, there is a balance. And, you know, after I started painting about like four months later, I, that's when I met Mike and, and yeah. Shockbox. And that's when oh, I, Oh wow. That's like, that's it was really quick. Um, I just, I found him on Instagram and that's when I was like, I'm going to start submitting, you know, like, that's it. I'm going to start submitting. And it was for the addiction show. Yeah. And I had my work there and I kind of got confidence from that. And I started, I'm like, I'm going to, I started I, before all of this, I was modeling for a long time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's um, a past. It's definitely like, a, I don't you know even I remember came this down person. Here to act too? No, I was never an actor. <laughs> strictly modeling. And I, th- I followed in my sister's footsteps. I really uh-huh. wanted to be like her at the time. And it was like, it was such a horrible industry to be in, especially at 17, 18, 19 years old. You already just have all the self-doubt and insecurities. And then you are like putting yourself in these positions to be completely torn apart. It's like, oh, you're already insecure and yeah. self-conscious? Here, I'm going to pile 800 pounds more of that on your shoulders. Right. It was it was awful. I mean, they will tell you your face that, you know, something's wrong with your hair, you're not, your body yeah. this, your one eye is smaller than the other. Like all of You're just like, not pretty enough for this one or... Exactly. <laughs> you're too, yeah. Yeah. And I always had an agency though. That yeah. was kind of my, like, I understood that's how... I was going to get work. So when I started painting... By the way, I wasn't saying you're not pretty enough. I was no, saying I in general. <laughs> I know. Um, Everybody who's listening is just like, what an asshole. What an asshole. Um, when I started painting, that was kind of my first like thought. I was like, I need to get representation. Like It wasn't even like a second guess. Like This is what you're supposed to do. So it was natural for me to go try to find galleries to represent me. That's exactly that's exactly natural. It's funny when I when I uh, when I interviewed Mike, we were talking about you a little bit, and I wanted to qualify something. I said I, I said, well, I was like Sarah's on the on the fast track, and it, it came across as like a negative thing, but I meant it as a positive thing because you knew what you wanted, right? And you just went for it, yeah. And that's the way to get on the fast track. All the stuff that you did before, all of the issues with your childhood, the immigration. All this stuff that's been bubbling up under the surface, the jobs that you hated, I can relate to that. Um, all the trauma, all the modeling, it all led to that point. Absolutely. And then when you started painting and the light bulb went on, you're like, all right, I'm not going to waste any time. Yeah. I'm going to get this shit out there. Yeah, and this has been the most consistent and, you know, this is the most success I have been in as far as any industry because I finally, like, got it. This yeah. is my thing. And I, there is nothing else in this world that I'd rather be doing than creating art. What a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So I, well, and that's what people are looking for, right? People are looking for a purpose. I think yeah. that's why you're, you're depressed when you're in a job like that. It's why I was depressed 100%. waiting tables and I waited tables for 16, 17 years. And I, every day was just dread going yeah. in there. So yeah, when you can find that thing that you love, that gives you purpose, Go for it. And know. I always knew there was something I was supposed to be doing. I just wasn't sure what it was. And I've been such a 
I've always been like, I hate authority. Yeah. And I, like, there's been so many jobs. I will just go to my car to go get something and I just never come back. Right. There is, I mean, there was, I, I, there's been so many times I've been completely flat broke and just refuse to like go get a job as like, you know, XYZ because like I knew I was going to be miserable. Yeah. And it, to my detriment. But then when I ended up having a child, you know, you have to kind of you realize that it. you have to feed her. Yes. And, Possibly. Well, you don't have to, right? But then you're if a you terrible like person. Keep, if you like to keep the child in your home, <laughs> right? You know, you have to provide a home and food and all that. Um, so she's definitely my. She's what. She's that piece of me that has grounded me. Like otherwise, I could just be floating around and not having any direction. But having a kid will force you to kind of be like, okay, I do have to sell. I do have to market myself, and it's. You know, and there's a balance to that. Instant so, motivation. Yeah. And so I got... So uh, how old's your daughter? She's nine. She's, she's nine. nine. Okay. Yeah. Which is crazy. See, I'm, I'm going to ask a question about this because it's something for me that I've always been inquisitive about, but I think other people listening might might be in the same boat. As an artist, you've that's actually been something that's been a positive for you then, having it's, a child. Right. It's been positive. It's also really difficult. Sure. Because of those reasons, because I am not okay with just having a nine to five for the rest of my life. And I will choose hap- like my, ha- my, my happiness and my, um, my search for my thing over stability at times. Right. And um, it's still hard, you know, but I find I'm finally at the place where I, I can be stable and still be an artist, but it's, it's difficult to, you know, as, especially as an artist, you're a lot and you're in your head a lot. And uh, yeah. I love to be alone. I don't, I can be alone all the time. I have no problem with my own company. And I'm the same way. yeah. And when you have a kid, you can't, you have to be there. Well, that's part of the reason why I started the podcast really was to create a little bit more of a sense of community. Right. Cause I create have to your own force social. myself yeah. to talk to people yeah. because otherwise I'm here all day. I'm yeah. creating, I'm on my computer, I'm in the studio and I, I can go I can go a week or two without talking to anyone, yeah. aside from my wife. I right. will talk to her when she comes home. That's nice. But <laughs> That's nice, sometimes. But um, but yeah, so that, that was the impetus for starting this, was to have a community and have other artists who might be feeling like they're isolated, so they can listen and feel it like is. they're you part are, of something. Yeah, you are, you are isolated. And, you are. And, and some of that's good, so obviously. It is good, because then you, that's, I mean, the isolation is where you grow and where you... Because if something's not feeling right in your life and you become isolated because everyone else around you is in a different place, that's when you really find out who you are and what you want and what you need. Um, I can't remember who said it, but one of the one of the biggest problems with humanity is the inability to be able to sit alone in a room with yourself for an extended period of time. Yeah. So I think we conquer that as artists, and yeah. that's where we develop our our ideas. I think, yeah, absolutely, um, and then sometimes to our detriment. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, and obviously, it's good to have balance. And and I'm I'm getting from what you're saying, if you're an artist who's already unstable, don't rush out and have a kid. No, no. <laughs> okay. And it's I had her when I was 24. So at that time, okay. I was really young and stupid, and I I wanted to have her. She was not yeah. a, an accident anyway. Like it was it was planned. Um, but it's funny that if I were not to have a kid right now, and I would have. I would still be waiting until, you know, a certain time because like me. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I'm smarter now and I know like what that means as far as being responsible for another human life. The fact that she's nine and 
like smart and healthy and happy. I'm just like, wow, I did that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. My, my wife uh, is, is she's about your age and she's, she's getting ready. I, I don't want to like make her uncomfortable here, but we're, we're getting close. So for yeah. me, I'm, I'm interested in that. And I always wanted to strike a little bit of balance and have some stability. I was like, you know what? Five years ago, six years ago, I, I couldn't even really take care of myself all the time. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not bringing another person into yeah, this that's, world. It's a responsible way of thinking. Right. But then yeah. I think you can also talk yourself out of it. You can keep going, well, yeah, there's I'm never, still not. There's I'm never still, a good yeah. time. Right. There's never like a perfect time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess there's some people that have it all planned out and then have a baby and then it doesn't. But, but, then, it, but then it's not. I mean, you can't plan what it's going to be you like can't. after the baby. Yeah. yeah. People get really, you know, crazy about their schedules and their routines. And then if it's like thrown off then you know, they're completely like a mess. Yeah. This wasn't how I planned it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's, she's definitely, um, yeah, she's definitely been this like anchor for me. And, and it's, I wrote, I wrote this piece a few years ago about being a mother, an artist and living in Los Angeles, which is like the most fucked up trifecta and yeah. it's, it's a struggle. Um, but, but, but on the other side of that, like she's being raised by artists and musicians and she is really cool. Like she's going to be a badass. Think, yeah. She doesn't think I'm cool, but Isn't that funny? one day she will. One day she's going to be like, actually my mom was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. I mean, she does, she does recognize that I am not like other moms. So right, that's, right. and I'm like, do you want me to be like other moms? She's like, no, no, not at all. I'm like, great, good. She's like, I really wanted you to be a copywriter, mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she, lo- I mean, she loves, she loves the fact that I get to work at home and paint and she gets to draw and. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's like, I love that. I'm instilling that in her. Do you think she's going to follow in your footsteps? She did tell me recently she wants to be a professional artist, oh, um, nice. but she said she doesn't want to be an abstract painter. Okay. She wants to, uh, you know, draw portraits and, and figures and, you know, like she said, like real art. <laughs> real art. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, okay. That's what I started out in real art. And then yeah. I was like, screw this real art yeah, thing. Yeah, screw this real art. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's awesome to see her kind of, you know, she's she's like my little mini me, you know, she's oh, starting amazing. to dress like me and- Is she going to be at the show? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Perfect. I can't wait to meet her. Yeah. And I'm sure Mike will be all about giving her- a platform to show her work if she's ready at some point. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so. And she's great, actually. Like, I've seen, like, she draws so well, like, almost to the you're point. Like, just, you're like, and I'm like, well, just, like, not, you know, you don't wait, be too wait, good. Wait, like, 10 years. <laughs> yeah, can you let me do this first before you, like, take over? Right. Yeah. So, and you, you're also in Artspace Warehouse, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, and that was, that's, that's when. Amazing. Yeah, that was you know, three, four I've months. I've submitted there a couple times. Yeah, there. Um, Nothing. There, Art Space Warehouse, it, if you're listening. I have no idea how this happened. I was at, that's when I started submitting my work to every gallery known yeah. to man. And at the time I was living in Highland Park and there's like a, there's an art community there and there's lots of galleries there. So that's where I was submitting. Um, I just wanted to show my work. I didn't care where. And I accidentally emailed Art Space Warehouse. Oh, really? It was not, like, I didn't know where they were, who they were at that time. It was just that like they were on my list. the best way to do it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like I had no... It's I, no idea. For some reason, I don't know if you've, I, I don't know if you've recognized this in your own life and in, and in art and submissions, but it feels like whenever I want something too much, yeah, it's it like I happens. block it from happening. Absolutely. When I was an actor, whenever I would come in for an audition, I'd be hungover, and I just was like, I, I shouldn't even be here. I don't want to be here, yep. and I just, I just did it, and I just was like, 
couldn't wait to get home would book it without a callback. Yeah, like, he's what we want. He doesn't care. You know, is that it? It's exactly how it happens. It's I don't how know. It happens. And I remember I submitted, and then two days later they emailed me back, and they're like, "Can you send us a price list?" And I'm like, "What's a price list?" Like this is, and, you know, I was that green. Like I had no idea. Like <laughs> I like I, how you weren't even like sure. Uh, let me. Yeah, I had to like, Google what is a price list, oh, and that's I said how it, that's how it happens. Yeah, so I sent them my price list after I put it together, and they're like, "Well, actually, we're looking for large scale abstract. Would you be willing to create some for us?" And I was at and that like, time. What's large scale abstract? Yeah, so at the time I was painting my living room. Um, did not have space for large scale abstract. So before yeah. I ever sold any big piece, I rented myself a studio. Nice. And for a year lease. And I was just convinced I was going to start selling immediately. Right. And like after I create these five big pieces for them, that's going to sell in a week and I'm going to be good. But it took a few months. You're going to be off and running. Yeah. You're and famous. it was, it's scary. I'm like, how am I going to pay this rent? I don't even know if I'm going to be selling anything, but I just, in my head, like it wasn't even an option. And, um, you know, I finished those pieces. I sent them over to art space and, you know, they didn't sell for a few months and then all of a sudden they started selling. And I was like, wow. They're a great avenue for selling work. They're if you, if you, yeah. if you work with their aesthetic, they will yeah. sell you. And it's funny because I was not in their aesthetic at all. Yeah. And well, maybe you felt, you filled a gap. Yeah, and that's what they kind of like were that's kind of what they said that, you know, this new kind of new kind of artist and they're, you know, excited to represent me now. She's kind of like a female Basquiat <laughs> and you're going to love her. And it's funny cuz I work there's it's a mother daughter um business. Right. So I worked with the daughter first and um she she I, <laughs> I'm like trying to be all like politically correct here. Just do it. Um she was, you know, there like she was less intimidating than the sure. mom. Yeah. And so when I was working with her um, and she was great, she's like, you know, and she kind of realized I was a kind of green and she told me like, if you need help, like while you're making these, just send like the progress shots and I'll let you know like how it's going. Oh, that's and, so cool. Yeah. So they, they helped me a lot through like the first few pieces and, and she accepted, but I just, for some reason in my head, I thought like they were, Whenever there's like you find success immediately on something, it's almost like you think it's a fluke. And every single time I would go to drop off more work, I immediately was in my head. I was like, they're going to go and look at it and be like, you know what? We found out you're not a real artist. Imposter syndrome. Exactly. I, I have that to this day. I've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. And I don't think it ever goes away. I mean, you get better with it, but yeah. That is one of the most debilitating things as an artist. It's, I mean, to this day, you feel day, like they're they're going to find out that I'm not. I'm not. A yeah, real they're going to find out that like I don't really actually know what I'm doing, yeah. and that this is all bullshit. Yeah, and it hasn't happened yet. And it's funny, I dropped off a couple of big pieces a few months ago, and I accidentally stretched the pieces wrong. Uh oh! I had you're the, out the frames up like backwards. Oh, nice. Like, just completely, like, You're wrong. Like, I know that. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. Okay? And so, at that time, the mom was there. Uh-oh. And she was just, like, looking at me like, this is not right. And I I had to run to U-Haul to get them over there. And I, I left. I'm like, they're going I'm like, they're going to, like, kick me out. This is yeah. it. Like, they're going to be like, she is clearly doesn't know what she's doing. And they're like, no, no, no. If, like, they didn't, you know, everyone's, like, telling me, like, if they didn't like it, they would have told you right then and there because you had the U-Haul. You could have just taken them right back. And I was like, you're right, you know, it's fine. And then uh, like 10 minutes after I got home, I got an email. They're like, you need to come back and restretch these. Yeah. 
And so when we went, I went there with my sister and we were, we, there was no space. We had to go out in the parking lot in the back and with a flashlight because it was nighttime. Oh my God. And they kept coming out going, well, this is how you stretch, you know, like trying to give me pointers. And I'm like, I really do know how to stretch. The cops the are coming thinking you're trying to break into the place. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, this is how you do it. I'm like, I know how to do it. So I just felt really stupid. But it was just, you know, it was definitely like... But that's the fast track. That's what I'm saying. You you learned on the fly. Yeah, I really did. Like when there's people that have been doing this for 10 plus years, and then there's me going, I don't deserve to be here. I'm clearly stretching these wrong. And so it's... But we all hit at different times. Yeah. And and I think you probably, it was... It was like I was saying earlier, it was the perfect culmination of all these things that you've been through in your exactly. life. And you've, you discovered something about yourself that you were obviously putting on canvas. It was resonating with people. Yeah. Whereas some people who've been doing it for 10, 15 years haven't discovered their voice yet. Yeah. So it's not always like that, but it there's just, no reason to feel bad about any of that stuff. Or right. Like, I mean, like yeah. they didn't kick me out. Right. Exactly. Right. And then exactly. in fact, like I'm supposed to be it's just funny they email me you're doing well with them yeah and they they email me a few weeks ago and they're like do you have any horizontal work and i was like oh my god like all of my work is vertical oh wow and it's and then so now i'm been in the process of creating more horizontal work because i've seen some in the show couch is yeah yeah there's a few well and that's another thing you know that i think artists have to get used to when i when i started i was very much I'm doing this for the purity of art. Yeah. Like I'm not fuck you. I'm I'm just doing no this rules. for myself. I'm yeah. not putting my eh, eh, and I'm not doing this to match a couch or whatever. But right. people are going to buy your yeah. work. And, and there's that, gonna, yeah. yeah, and that's that balance. And I yeah. think because it started for me so early in my career that I immediately had to think about like when I first started, you know, with art space. They told me like we like like blues because blue sells. So incorporate more blues in your work. That's true. And. I hated that. I hated that somebody was telling me what colors to work with, but I kind of, you kind of have to have like in the back of your head, will somebody like this in their home? Especially if you're paying your rent or your mortgage with it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can still be creative within those constraints. Yeah. And now, now I don't care. Like it's funny. I was, I was talking to uh, somebody. um, There's this interview I did with Leah for Asymmetric Uh magazine. And it's great. Yeah, she's awesome. And I was telling her how people were telling me green is a terrible color to paint with. So I started like painting with more green. I couldn't help it. Yeah. And now a bunch of my work is green, especially for the show. And I I, I can't help it's like that authority you know, authority against it by rebel side. And now even with art space, I don't even give them anything with blue anymore. And they just keep taking it. So I guess nice. it works. You paid your dues with it. Yeah. Them. And it's just funny with like, like Well that's you, the thing too. You you you've probably established that you sell with them. Right. And yeah. And like, I think well, they're like, okay, like clearly thing. someone's liking it, so we're gonna let her kind of go wild with right, it. Right, right. And it's cool because a lot of the artists there have one particular style and they continue like they're like only do this style over and over again. And with me, like none of my paintings look the same mm-hmm. twice. So it's awesome that they're letting me kind of be me. And, um, you know, it, and it's like I was saying with, with art space, they're an amazing, they have the best connections. Like my stuff is rented constantly and, and, uh, for TV and film. And, yeah, that's right. And, I forgot they did that too. Yeah. And, but it's on the other side of that, like compared to Shockbox, I have a, like a personal relationship with Shockbox and with Mike and I can like call anytime I want and text anytime I want. And yeah, Shockbox right is like family. It is like family and with art space. Like I'll sell four or five paintings. Non-judgmental family. Yeah. Not, not judgmental <laughs> at all, but I'll sell paintings at art space and nobody will tell me 
Like I'll go online every couple of days. Oh, like on the actual website to mm-hmm. see if something is marked sold. Oh, wow! That's how I find out. Really, they don't they don't send you uh, an email no. update. No, I don't know if it's like I'm just not. I, I don't know. I have no idea. But I'm assuming why. they pay you. Yeah, the accounting right? is good on their part. Okay, like, the accountants are good. They send me the checks. So like that's sometimes that's how I find out I sold something. Is that I just get a check in the mail. Oh, wow. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, that's kind of a bonus, but yeah, it'd be nice to know. Yeah, it'd be nice to know. So there is like that difference of um, galleries and of relationships. Oh, my God. So many, so many different things. I, I had periods where I just took a break with galleries. I was like, you know what? I'm, I, I started, when I first started out around 2003, I just got in a bunch of shows, a bunch of gallery shows. I was like, I've made it. And then I wasn't selling that much. And, I just got tired of doing it. So I, I took a big break and I just started working on myself and working on my online. So once yeah, online became viable. Yeah. yeah, but it took a long, and I'm happy I did that because it was like the body of work. I built a body of work. I kind of figured out myself. I learned that I had to kind of come out of my shell a little bit and not be the, the hermit all the time yeah. and learn how to, you know, market a bit. Um, but yeah, once you make that transition and once you know what you want, you can definitely make a living as an artist. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're Everyone's always shocked that like people can make a living as an artist. Like you can do it. It's not definitely. You just have to like really know what you want. And yeah, and it's not. And 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 I talked about this in another uh, podcast, but there's all these people who feel like there's one route you have to go. Yeah. You have to find your route, and yeah. what works for you, what works for you, is not going to work for me. Exactly. Um, but you can take little tips and you know, tricks from other people that you've seen and apply them to what you're doing. And, and if they work great, if they don't try something else. Yeah. Like, I mean, like for, for you, like you're killing it on Saatchi. Whereas me, I got in a fight with one of the Saatchi people and I don't want, well, I was killing it on Saatchi. Yeah. I'm going to throw Saatchi under the bus here. Yeah. They, I had a big, I was selling, I mean, I sell best with art finder mm-hmm. and I'm selling well with singular now, but I, I was selling well with Saatchi too. And then all of a sudden I couldn't log into my account. Like three months. Oh my god! And I was on, and That's I was like a, I was, a long time. It's a long time, and then you you kind of fall off with the algorithm, you know? Yeah. So I was on with this woman. She was great. She was trying to help me out. She was very. She was wonderful. So they helped me out, but they couldn't figure out the problem. And they said it was like I was the only artist this was happening to. Of course, of course, <laughs> right? And then finally, when they got it back up and running, about three months later, I I just jumped back in. I was putting up a lot of the work that I missed, and I haven't been able to sell since. Yeah, because once you get out of the algorithm, yeah. Really so I'm trying to build to back up with that, yeah. but luckily I sell in other places. Right. But if that was my, that's another thing to remember too. Don't just put all your eggs in one basket. Exactly, so. exactly, and that's exactly what happened with you know with me. I have you know my galleries here in LA, but then I have a gallery in Tel Aviv. Oh, nice. And um, I didn't know about that. Yeah, there's Mika Gallery, and they the girl that works there. She's my contact. She's not the gallery owner, but she's the one that she works there. And she came from Russia when she was three. Oh, wow. But to Israel. Okay. So she basically what my life would have been if, you know, we would have gone to Israel right. and she completely connected with my work on that level. Like oh, she, awesome. she tells me, she's like all the, like, there's marks that like, that, that looks like, you know, my dad's blanket on the couch. So she completely gets you. Yeah. And so it's a completely different, she can sell my work in that way where I am like a, a Jewish woman and a Russian Jewish woman, and she connects with that. So she loves to tell my story to people, and I've been able to sell there too. And they want me to come there to create a show, but it's going to take me a minute to get over there. But. Yeah, but that's something to look forward to. Yeah, it's awesome. That's the dream is is being able to travel the world and show your work. Yeah. Eventually, we we all will be, right? That's, yeah, that's That's the goal. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about 
if you don't mind, what it's like being a woman in the art world and yeah. the LA art world. But do you mind if we take a quick break? Sure. Awesome. We're yeah. going to take a quick break. And we are back We're with back. Sarah Svetlana, superstar oh, of the goodness. art world. <laughs> so, no, but you are. Come on. I, I was going to ask you your Sarah Svetlana uh, origin story, origin. your superhero, but you already gave it to me, which is great. Right off the so, bat. So we have yeah. the origin story. I, it's funny. I have all these notes here, yeah. and I haven't had to use any of them, which is, that's the way that's it's good. supposed to be. Yeah. But I'm going to, I'm going to cheat now, and, and I'm going to use one of them. So we've talked about your upbringing, some of your experience in the art world, um, Shockbox, uh, Art Space Warehouse, being a mother. Uh, what about being a woman in the art world? Has that, some, has that been something that you even really noticed? Is it, I mean, I, I know you've noticed being a woman. Right. <laughs> a difference between the female experience in the art world and the male experience. Well, I mean, I can't speak for the male experience, of course. Right. But I, I have... can't either. Yeah, I have... <laughs> I have never, I've never been a victim. Like okay. I've never been in that mentality. So I've always been able to get what I want if I want it. So I, the only thing, honestly, the only thing that I have struggled with is um, posting pictures of myself alongside with my art mm-hmm. and almost being too aware of my too sexy. Am I too pretty in this oh. photo? Because I want to be taken seriously. And it sucks that I have to think about that. But there was like a time where, you know, my, all my photos were modeling photos and I would get attention, male attention. And, you know, some of it was very negative and some of it was like, in, any, in any way, I didn't because really love it. Internet. Right. It's yeah. the internet. So, so when I want to be taken seriously as an artist, I have to be hyper aware that I don't want to come off as. I want people to see my art and not, oh, she's trying to you know look hot next to her photos or next to her paintings. That's interesting. Do you now? Do you think that that has been heightened by your modeling experience, Probably. or if you would you have had that regardless? Uh, I mean, I think it has been heightened because of it. Um, I definitely I'm, I'm more aware of it, and I don't I don't particularly like when I post a picture of just myself in, in, in the shot with my art and people are like, Oh, you're so pretty. And it's not like, like, look at the fucking art. Right. And like, I don't want it. And I don't, so I try not to, like, I don't post a lot of pictures of myself anymore. And I don't, because I, and it sucks that I have to kind of pick and choose of, do I want to be like a pretty girl or or taken seriously as an artist? Like you can't have both. And I don't know, like, that's kind of like, can I have, like, I don't know if I can. That's really interesting because there are a lot of people, now that I'm thinking about it and filing back over millions of pictures that I've looked at, there are a lot of men and women, but since we're talking about women, I've seen a lot of women who play that up. Yeah. A lot. They do. Almost to the point of being semi-pornographic. Exactly. Or just, you know, posed. Yeah. Uh and I was guilty and of that fine, for sure. Though. I mean, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, there isn't. And like, I, I love taking photos. Like that was, I never, I hated the industry, but I loved being in front of the camera for yeah. a long time. I love the final result of a beautiful photograph and I don't ever want, and it's such a silly thing to complain about. Like, and I hate, it's, it sucks being so pretty, you know, like it's just, <laughs> it's stupid and it's, but at the same time, no, but it's, it's a concern. It is. And yeah. I see, like, I'll see other women who are gorgeous girls and they will play up their sexuality in front of their work and you no longer see their work. That's very true. 
Because how many of these guys, like I'm different. I do. I I like to think of myself as being different. I'm looking at the art too, but how many of these guys on Instagram are actually even seeing past them to the art now? Yeah. And and there's a lot of times are they only, there's been a lot of artists I've reached out, like I've talked to throughout the years since I've been on Instagram who are, you know, I look up to and they're, Mm -hmm. and they're amazing artists. And I thought they were talking to me because of my work. Turns out they just want to hit on me. And that sucks. Yes. So it's like, you don't know, you know, whose intentions are, you know, pure. pure and real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I've, I've had that experience myself. Uh, I've had it with women and I've also had it with yeah. gay men. Like yeah. I had, I had an experience I mean, where. You're a pretty, you're a pretty man. Well, that's yeah. why I wear the bikinis in my shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I, I went to an opening of, of, a, of an artist that I admired and he knew me from social media, which, which was cool. And he was talking to one of his collectors and he kind of said, oh, you should check out Preston's work, which I thought was also very cool. And the guy was chatting me up all night and we were talking and I was like, oh, this is another avenue. This guy's going to get my work out there. And then the moment I told him I was married, he just fell off the face of the earth. Just like made a complete 180. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that happens even more with women. I had, there wasn't particular, I'm not going to say his name, but really looked up to him, um, this is a while back and he messaged me. He's like, great work. I was like, Oh, thank you so much. And, and then all of a sudden he's like, Hey, if you ever want to send me any nudes oh, to inspire me, hello. and he didn't even, he didn't even do, he was an abstract painter. There was no, he was a photographer. Pa- or anything. No, he was just a painter. There was no naked ladies in his work in any way. And I'm like, what the fuck? That's so bizarre. And like, I just, you know, I never responded to that, but it, it was really, it was off putting and it was upsetting. Cause you know, I'm like, I'm not, no, I'm not going to send you nudes, right. sir. So did did I'm assuming he thought that you would think that he would maybe further your career right. in some way? Yeah, it's just like, oh well, she clearly thinks I'm awesome, so she's going to like give me these. Like, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird, and then there's been times it's like where, the casting couch, but in the art world. Exactly, and then huh. there'd be times where people want to set up a studio visit, and turns out it wasn't for my art, you know, and. Like those are the things that that's like the that's like the biggest obstacle as far as for me being a woman in the industry. But that really no, that really sucks. Yeah, I mean, you want to know that intentions are pure when you're showing your work to yeah. somebody, especially a potential collector. And it's funny because like when I switched over from the modeling industry, because I'm used to creepy photographers. Like yeah. I can call one out in the first sentence of their email if they're legit or if they're not. Right. You know. But when I came into the art world, I was naive thinking that, oh, this isn't the same thing. Like these people were artists and, and they're not going to be creepy men, but there are, turns out men in the art world are just completely, they're different. They're different. uh, They're a different level of creepy species. Yeah. They're just like more like they're slightly more autistic and still creepy. Right. You know, yeah. And that's weird. I I hadn't thought of it from that angle. That would be, I mean, that would be upsetting for me. Well, I know I try to, Uh, that's why I was asking the question, but, um, I think that's good for guys to think about that. Also, all you collectors out there, don't be creepy. <laughs> don't be Please. creepy. If you if you like a woman's work, just like her work. Yeah. You know. Um, okay. Well, that's that's good to know. We we talked about the show a lot uh, at the beginning. I wanted to get that out at the beginning because you never know if people snooze after a while. Right. But um, I asked Mike the same question, and I don't know. I'm, I'm interested. What was one of your biggest failures when you were getting your work out there? I mean, I know we talked about the 
the stretching canvas thing, but like something you really yeah, yeah. wanted. Um, I, and what you learned from it. I mean, failures I have, there's actually this, the, one of the most recent ones where I got contacted by a woman to do a commission. She gave me no direction. She said, I like this particular piece of yours, but I don't want it to be the same. I just like the colors and kind of the feeling. I said, cool. I didn't reach out to her. She reached out to me, painted a painting. And she's like, mm, I don't like it. Oh my God. And I was like, oh God. Like I've never had that happen, especially when you're reaching out to me. Right. Like, I didn't look for you. That should be a safe place. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm, I'm horrified. I would, I'm, I'll redo it. Like, you know, like I'll just recreate the piece that you really like, but she wanted it to be vertical instead of hor- like the one piece that was oh horizontal. She wanted a You're vertical like, piece. I so have to I, just stick to and I recreated it, same exact colors, everything just, I mean, it's a little bit different, but like side by side, they're the same feeling. They're actually going to be in the show. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I and get, then she's going to come in and buy them. Right. No, actually Dennis Dugan bought that one. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, they're, she, I sent it to her and she's like, I don't know. My husband's having a hard time with the colors. I was like, they're literally the same colors as oh the other God. painting. And I got really upset because, you know, for obvious reasons. And I didn't, I was like, you know what? It's okay. And she's, and I told her, I was like, I didn't have to redo the second piece. I only, and I usually take half up front, mm-hmm. but for this woman, cause she was so excited about my work. Yeah, I, I don't only, need to do that. I only took like a, like 10 or 20% up front just for supplies. Yes. And so I told her, I was like, I don't normally do that. And I thought, you know, especially after the second one, like these are literally the same colors that you requested yeah. as the other painting that you love. And then she's like, I understand you're upset. Well, if you can't, you know, find a buyer, we can, we'll, we'll buy it. And I was like, I never responded to her. I was like, yeah. no. So it can just like. I don't Fuck want you. it to go just to your pity, right? Pity buy, right? Stop, stop wasting my time. Yeah. So there was like definitely, but then I realized like I like the painting, so I don't really care. Like it, it hurt. Obviously, it, no one wants to be rejected, especially when they're seeking a painting from you and you don't deliver. It feels awful that you let somebody down. Well, and art has another level of vulnerability too. Absolutely. You're exposing part of yourself. Yeah. And and when you're content, you kind of see the kind of artist I am. I am not a cookie cutter. I don't just create one thing over and over again. It's, they're all different. There's, it's chaotic and at times. And so it was just, it's, it was difficult to like be able to put yourself out there not once, but twice and be rejected by the same lady. And the painting actually is called, I used to be a commission. Nice. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So it ended up working out great. And then, oh, that's funny. you know, and, and at the end it was, it was, it was great, but I don't think, um, I think because I modeled for so long and the rejection for so long, I've developed a thicker skin where if I was able to put myself out there just based on my physical looks, art is just another extension of that. So I'm, I've been able to not take rejection as badly as if I would have just never had the experience prior to that. I'm the same way being an actor starting yeah. out. It's like you develop a thick skin. Yeah, you and have you to. you need to have a thick skin. You have to. And that's with any any industry where you're putting yourself out there, where you have to be vulnerable to succeed. Because you can't, you can't put up walls and expect to be an artist, a successful artist, because the vulnerability is what you're selling, is, is your authentic true voice it is so even after like the rejections and uh, you know from that woman and from um you know just different galleries like i had this gallery in australia not my gallery but i one of my favorites um tw um 
shit. It doesn't matter. There's a gallery in Australia. I love it. It has like everybody, like I feel like I fit in there. Yeah. And I emailed them. This was like a year and a half ago. So granted, it was still pretty, I was pretty new and Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm at, I I was at the level I am now, but they emailed me back and they're like, like not, not, they didn't have to just not respond, but they emailed me back and told me that I'm not good enough for the roster. You know, like you just, you didn't have to respond at all. You know, that was just like a dick move. Just to like, yeah, this is good though. See, cause this is what I want people to hear. I had this too. When I used to start out, I I would like pound the pavement, you know, the gallery row on Culver city now that's South of uh, Venice. Yeah. I, I just would go into there from time to time. And, you know, I'm sure from their standpoint, it's like, look, we're showing the best artists from around the world. No. But, nah, mm, I mean, we're the future best artists from around the world, right? right? So you need to be open to that. I would walk in, and I remember I would get these interns. And one, one time the interns took my work, and I was like, yeah, I was just wondering if you you know looked in. Because it takes a lot of guts oh my God, to just yeah. walk in there as I an artist, too, yeah. and bring your portfolio in there and be like, hi, take a look at me. And I said, are you, are you looking at emergent artists? And, and they're like, um, no. And then I said, oh, okay, it's thanks. Like and, I walked, and as I w- turned to walk out, I heard them laughing. Oh my God. It's like, what the fuck? I mean, this is somebody obviously who's not happy, right? And yeah. they probably are unfulfilled and they, and they, in their own feel, lives. And it feels so good to it reject. so good yeah. in the moment. But, but yeah. actually it's making them feel worse, right? Of course, yeah. But then, but then another one on the same street, it was fine. He looked at my portfolio. This was back when I did a lot of figurative work. Mm-hmm. And pop surrealism. And his thing was, oh, he's looking at their work. He's like, oh, interesting. Oh, he's like, are you, uh, so you're self-taught? And I was like, <laughs> well, no. First of all, I mean, I, I went to school for, but for, okay, everybody I believe is self-taught as an artist. Yeah. Even if you go to school, there's an element of it that is self-taught yeah. because they can't paint the fucking picture for you, right? But I, I, I just so happened to not be self-taught. And it was like, what a weird thing to say. It was kind of like a little it's condescending. A yeah. Little, yeah. Like clearly, clearly you're self you Never been in a cloth in your life. Yeah. Fuck you, man. So those things are always great to hear for other artists who are, who are yeah. trying to get out there because. And it's because I got the, you know, Shockbox and Art Space so quickly. I didn't know like what to expect from other galleries right it was almost like You're i did like, it backwards this is how it is. yeah like i just get signed by everybody <laughs> and so what's everybody complaining about yeah like this is easy <laughs> so when i started getting and i get you know i will i still submit to galleries and not just to group shows but for representation from because you know i feel like every market's different and you should stick your stuff in especially if that's kind of like your path of being with galleries i think you should submit as many places as possible yeah and I, you know, it's the same with like castings when I was modeling, I would get one reply out of, you know, 25, 30. Cause it's a numbers game. It is. I think, would you agree that assuming there's a certain level of talent, right? a, a certain level, you don't have to be the most amazing artist in the world. At that point, it's about how fearless you are yes, and how many times you get yourself out there. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there are artists way better than me out there, of course. And they just won't put them, they're too afraid. to. Or go. let's say different. Different. Sure. Yeah. And they just don't, they don't want to put themselves out there yeah. and they're, it's just too scary for them. And they, then, then that's it. They won't succeed. And it's like, and that's tragic, but also if you are that artist and you're complaining about it, You've got no reason to complain. It's like the people who don't vote and then complain yeah, about exactly. who we have in office. It's like, well, you've foregone that ability to yeah. be able to complain. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, and, and this is speaking from experience. I did 10 years where I was a delicate little 
you know, artist and yeah. like, they'll find me. Yeah, they'll discover me. Banging to my door. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how do they even know who the fuck you are? So exactly. get yourself out there. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. Um, another one that I asked Mike that I'm going to ask you is, what's a little secret weapon you have? And by secret weapon, I mean best practice, something that you do that actually keeps you going and on point with your creativity and your, and your level of creativity. I think working every day, um, even if it's not like you're not working just on like a particular piece, but just putting paint to canvas every day or, or even just sketching. Um, I don't believe that I'm going to sit there and wait for inspiration to hit because then we could just be sitting here all day. I'm like, well, I'm not inspired yet, but I just always want to create. And even if I'm not feeling like I should do something, you know, like I, I, I don't want to work on a particular piece today, but I'm just going to experiment today. Yeah. And I think like experimenting really like is what keeps me inspired and, and not following any rules. Like I don't know any rules. Like I am legitimately self-taught. Like there, yeah. like I took art classes here and there, but it was never a, an actual degree or anything like that. Right. So I think that has helped me in, in a way because, because I don't know any rules, I can break them. But it's then almost as, an advantage. Yeah. And then like, as I've shit. learned way more just being hands-on throughout the last couple of years than I, I have ever would have in, in school because I'm just not a classroom person. Yeah. It's difficult for me. I have my ADHD. I don't pay attention. And I just like, I have to be hands-on. Mm-hmm. So I've learned, you know, so much like the, the technical things that you normally would learn in school. But because I don't really, I never, like there's, I, apparently there's rules about colors that you like shouldn't do and should do and, you know, kind of things together and like, screw that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think. I completely agree. Yeah. So experimenting has always been really, that's what keeps me inspired for sure. Yeah. And, and just, and I always, my pro, my process is a lot of staring, mm-hmm. just kind of drifting off into space and staring and, and thinking and then, and then, and then going on the canvas. So um, yeah, and just not having any rules and, and just being able to kind of be free and not giving a shit. But then, you know, at the end of the day, still having in the back of your head, will this look good in someone's house? Yes. Yeah. You have to you have to care on some level. A little right? bit, yeah. So that's interesting. That's another thing um I talked about in one of the podcasts before before the interview. Um you just you nailed it. It's it's not about waiting for inspiration to strike. Yeah. Inspiration becomes almost a trick. You are inspired sometimes. Yeah. How, how many times have you sat down to create and then halfway through inspiration comes? Exactly. But it's because you physically sat down to do yeah. it. Um, Even if it's just like painting, okay, I'm just going to paint the underpainting right now. Right. You know, and then as soon as I'm done with the underpainting, I'm like, like I want to add this mark and I kind of see it on the canvas already. Sometimes it's it's the physicality of just getting the motion going exactly. and then it, it triggers something in your brain. Um, yeah, that's that's something that just needs to be cultivated it's like a muscle the yeah. more you do it i think the better you become at almost manufacturing exactly now it's like it's a part of my daily life yeah. like i can't that's just my it's my job and it's also what i do it's just i can't not create throughout right. the day and it's just funny when like you were saying like artists who complain about not being found mm-hmm. or have don't have gallery representation like they'll create one piece every 6 months like yeah. where are you going with this? Like there's no way no one's going to take your one piece. You need to create a body of work. Yes. And what, it, are you, what are you me? Yeah. 
like I'm and talking to myself here. And because I was signed so quickly, I never had a chance to have a body of work. So I was kind of creating for the gallery at the time. And so this show is been like that opportunity to create an entire body of work. Well, you're the exception to the rule because I'm always preaching about developing a body of work, but at the same time, in a weird way, it forced you to create a body of work. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, it, and it put some constraints on you to do it well. Yeah. And you, and you did it well, and you, you rose to the occasion. Yeah, so I didn't great. want to just half-ass it. I wanted to make sure that what I created for this particular show was going to be something I loved, and, and it was real and authentic, and um, that all the pieces were cohesive, you know, and I've never been able to do that before, like to this degree. So it's it was not only like as a show awesome because it's like a solo show, but it's I've been I've learned so much from it. Just being able to like I kind of figured out my process even more because I used to like skip steps. I yeah. used to just want to finish the painting, like I know what it wanted to look like, but then I would just skip the steps because my work has so many layers in it. Mm-hmm. It's becomes daunting because you know that this whatever mark you just put on it's not going to be there in five minutes <laughs> like, you, can't, even matter? you can't commit to that like and that's what I've ta- like that taught me like is not to become so attached to you know certain marks or certain pieces because it's you're probably going to paint over it definitely I'm, I, I had a question that I really wanted to ask you and my phone is not opening it is what you get for writing something on your phone it doesn't, want, it doesn't want you to ask me it's like don't do it uh oh so well we've kind of covered it a little bit but how has where you've created affected your your creation for example we talked about constraints a little bit for me i i started out doing a lot of stuff in like a studio apartment mm-hmm. i paint my kitchen and i'd have to like build up my studio each time and that's a pain in the ass yeah. but it also forced me to make everything count what right. i did um where what is what has your situation been like and how has that helped you to kind of develop your That's voice? That's actually, a, it's a great question because it, it completely, where I create absolutely affects my work. When I first started, I was in my living room in my apartment and I was only able to create little small works. Plus it was like my first, you know, go at really painting. And then when I moved into my studio, I had no windows. Um, it was an awesome space, but it was... I didn't see any light. It's a cave. It was a cave. Yeah. And I had, but I had big, tall white walls. So that really helped. And I had lots of lights in there, but I didn't see any nature. I didn't see anything. Um, I was able to create larger pieces because mm-hmm. I had more space. But now I didn't realize how much the geography affects my work until I moved into my space now in Pasadena. And it's a garage in the back, but I have like a, my backyard is full of flowers and trees and hummingbirds and butterflies. And it absolutely like, it shows in my work. The colors have changed. They're brighter. Um, there's even like when I paint, it's usually, I start on the ground. And so I'll, I love to pick up the texture from where I am. Like when I was in Joshua Tree, I used some of the sand and I mixed it in with my paint so and it, because of like my beginning and my, I, I have to like, all my pieces are a part of, of the topography of the, you know, whatever it is. And I love, it's almost like, like a footprint right. of where I was and where I am at that time. Like not a, only almost, in my head space. like a time capsule. Exactly. Not yeah. only just in my head, but like actually physically where I am. That's really cool. So not only are they buying 
part of you, but they're buying actually what was going on physically in that moment. Exactly. Too. And that's why when I created that giant piece at Shockbox, it was, it was definitely Shockbox. Like the energy was in that piece. Yes. Yeah. It's funny. It, it reminded me of this guy I heard about who was a, he was an astronaut and he'd been one of the few people who'd been to the moon and mm-hmm. had, had scooped up some, some, uh, moon sand, moon sand. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. He then became a painter and he would sprinkle a little bit of moon sand Amazing. in every piece. Yeah. And then he would sell them for like, I don't know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. But people were like, the paintings were good. Yeah. But people were like, I'm buying a part of the moon. Exactly. And that's a, that's a real yeah. little, uh, it's not, I wouldn't say gimmick, but it was, it was something that was very unique to his work that you couldn't buy anywhere else. Absolutely. Um, that's why I loved using, you know, mixed media as well. Yeah. Because every, sometimes I'll just like literally just reach for anything that's next to me, like reaching distance and just use that. Yes. And like, not just only because of the different textures and everything, but because like that's where it was. And I want, and, and at times like I sometimes paint better with my one eye closed. Mm. Or even not really looking, kind of like almost completely just squinting and having a little bit of vision of where I am. Because then it's actual authentic marks. It has to be organic. Right. Like I can't, like you can't just like, if I want to have a square, it can't just be a perfect square. It needs to be like- yourself to be too precise. Exactly. I hate, I hate perfection. I like it. I like imperfection. I love like the, when the, you know, it kind of leaks and it bleeds onto a different shape. And so when my eyes are closed, I do. And it's funny when I draw better with my eyes closed, like faces, like I, I used to draw with charcoal all the time. And cool. I end up like when it's, when it's done in the dark, just by like one candle, like I end up doing a lot better because I'm not, because I'm just feeling it. Yeah. And you don't like, once you like, once my brain gets involved, then it's, it sucks. You're, yeah. You're shutting off the inner critic. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I was talking to a friend one time and we were talking about how I think over, I, I believe this, some people push back on this, but I believe that the more you can shut off your in, inner voice and the more you can stop thinking about what it's going to become or who it's yeah. going to become for, and you just get as much in the moment, it almost seems like you're 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 forcing yourself to get into that kind of a environment where you're just it's just spontaneous yeah and just goes uh, through you. present yeah. creation like yeah. sometimes I, I don't know if you've had this experience but where you've created a piece one of your best pieces i have stuff that i look at and i'm like i don't even remember creating yes. this yeah it's like it's almost like it just went through you exactly like i i, I feel like a i feel like a tool yeah no uh, it's so true but yeah but like i am just another i'm just like you gave me the like chills a, yeah that's the thing with most creators I, that i think that are doing really good work they all agree on that even mm-hmm. like p- pianists who are amazing like yeah, they, they talk about themselves almost being an instrument that it's Absolutely. going through. Not yeah, them I'm just doing like a paintbrush. I'm, I'm definitely. It's not me creating it. It's like I'm feeling the energy around me. The universe is yes. going right through me. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, I completely yeah. agree. And as soon as you like, you start thinking about it, and like, well, this is, it has to look like this. It has to. You know, this is for like. That's when it all goes wrong. Yep. Yeah. It's the same reason why I can't listen to, I was in a band back in the day and, and we'd have a guy who was a music theory expert and he would never write a song because he was scrutinizing every yeah. little detail. And then if he would manage to get something that was coherent, it just felt lifeless Yeah, because he, so there was forced. nothing, there was no emotion coming exactly. in, there was no energy coming through it. Yeah. So that's, that's really cool to hear. Um, what do you, do you have any advice for younger Sarah? Oh, maybe, man. maybe let's younger take it Sarah. back. Further, let's take it back to like modeling Sarah. 
You know, man, As, I would. I always want to give her a hug. Yeah, yeah. She was a very sad, sad girl. Uh, there wasn't. There was a pivotal point where I talked to my younger self. It was about five years ago, and my mom, a little, little more than five years ago, my mom just passed away, and then six months later had a whole nervous breakdown. It was awful because like when you're in survival mode, you don't have time to feel things. Like you're just pushing through. So at that time, there was. You know, I finally felt everything come up and it was awful. And I did, um, I had to go through, like, I started my healing process and I very consciously with intention, I wanted to heal. And so I did some acid and um, it was a very amazing experience. I remember I was meditating and I saw myself laying there. Like, I remember moving. Like an out of body experience. Yeah. And I remember moving my leg. Like I twitched my leg to see if it was actually me and I saw myself move my leg. Oh, wow. And I remember looking down at this person and I just felt so much love and compassion for her. And I just wanted to give her like this hug and tell her everything is okay and that everything. And it's it's so funny when I was younger, I was like 14, 15, I almost like had this like premonition that I was going to go through really difficult things because I had to. Yeah. It was a part of my journey and that. I didn't know why, why I thought that. Like I always, but I always took the harder route. Like when there was like a fork in the road, I always go the other way just to make my life more difficult for some reason. And I could never figure out why. And then now looking back at my, my twenties and my late teens, it's because it made me who I am today. Like I, you know, I, you know, came to this earth to like have that's what I chose to have this difficult journey. So I could be the creator I am today. You know. Nobody can see, but I'm I'm nodding and and smiling because <laughs> I feel like you're me talking. It's crazy. I I I, I felt like you know when you meet people, yeah. Like if you feel a connection. Like I felt a connection with, with you when we were going to the Getty that one time yep. when we were yeah. talking. I was like, here's somebody who I don't know what it was, but we aligned in cer- certain ways. Yeah. I had that same thing when I was I went through a really depressive, dark, dark period, and I had a lot of demons and. One of the few ways I was able to actually get out of it was I, I just decided to like look at my five year old self mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and and just treat myself, treat myself as a delicate little yeah. boy, and I had so much compassion too, and that was the building place. That was like yeah. the building blocks of healing and and coming to terms and and then quitting all these bad behaviors that I had developed over the years. There were coping mechanisms that just weren't sustainable anymore. And, and we're so t- we're taught to have compassion for other people. And to, you know, not judge and to forgive. And we forget that we need that for ourselves first. How can you be compassionate toward anybody else if you can't be compassionate to yourself? Exactly, exactly. And I finally, like, one of that first step was I finally felt love towards that person. And it's so, like, you kind of weird to say, like, I finally love myself. And it's just like, like, you don't want to talk, but it's it's true. You need that. and. That's when everything kind of started falling into place. Um, of course, yeah, and it's, yeah, yeah. So like, it's exactly like my sister. You know, she's going through a life change right now, and she had a completely different upbringing. She's seven years older than me, so and she came to this country when she was twelve, and it was awful for her. Like she was, she was a little more aware. Yeah, and like you know, I started kindergarten, so at least I was able to be with you know, it was little, so nobody was picking on me at that point. But she skipped fifth grade, went from fourth grade to sixth grade to middle school. Oh, man. And she was just picked on relentlessly. And now she's kind of having to deal with this. And she's, you know, and I tell her that that little girl inside of you needs you to, like, love her and to find compassion for her and to give her, like, what 
you didn't have. Exactly. Yeah. The hardest thing because you almost want to rebel against that and be yeah. like, these people didn't give this to me. Exactly. Kids can be so cruel too, you know? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, we've talked about so much more than I thought we were going to talk about, and that's great, and that's yeah. amazing. I feel like there is one thing that I wanted to ask you. Well, oh, no, I think we talked about that. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I think that's a good place to stop, unless yeah. you feel like you have anything you wanted to add. No, I just want to thank you for having me. This has been yeah, awesome. It's been so much fun. Yeah. Let's do it again sometime. Yes, absolutely. And before we go, tell people where they can find you. I, th- I know you talked about artsy, but um, social Insta- media, Instagram all is is a really good place to find me. Um, my Instagram handle is Svieta is my name. S-V-E-T-A is my name. Uh, yeah. It's funny because I have Mike in the back of my head right now going, you say like and um way too much. <laughs> so That's I, what podcasters are like, great. Damn it, Mike. Don't, well, I edit this thing and you have no idea how much I fucking hate my voice after I do it because I find all these little things that I do too. And I, I'm forcing myself to not, because I engage with people a lot when they're talking. Yeah. I force myself to stop doing that, and I know it's still. <laughs> I do the in. same thing. Yeah. yeah, so that's just that's part of being it's human. Okay. But uh, if you want, I can try to clean it up. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's this is me. It's who for, I am. From me, I notice those things. I notice those things in other people, yeah. and it hasn't bothered me. So I think All you're right, coming cool. across very good. Cool. But um, yeah, Mike, get out of our fucking heads, man. I know, always in there. Okay, well, check out Sarah's show. Uh, opening this weekend, the 7th, March yep, 7th? the 7th at Shockbox. From 6 to 9 p.m.? Correct, yes. And if not, through March 25th. Correct. And then if not, and you're a future person looking back, check out Sarah's work. You won't be disappointed. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Awesome. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here, and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful, so thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time.